You are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. I'm Sam Mador, overthinker extraordinaire. This week, I'm overthinking about feeling overwhelmed with the lovely Sarah Kelly. Yes, this week I am overthinking with the lovely Sarah Kelly. Sarah is a heart-based business mentor specializing in intentional business planning, feel-good marketing, and helping her clients cultivate self-awareness so they can align their business with their best life. Here's our chat. I am here with Sarah Kelly. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you? I am well. How are you? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh man, I'm really excited to have this chat. I love chatting with people who I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on Facebook. Finally had the opportunity to meet you in person. You're not on Facebook. I am on Facebook. I'm not super active. I basically yeah, just share same. whatever I post on Instagram over to Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. And I don't even know why I said that. I think I was thinking I now follow you in two places on Instagram because I didn't realize you had your own designs, which we'll get into that maybe a little bit later too. Yeah. Um, so I love chatting with people who are on Instagram, who I've ha- recently had a chance to meet in person and who is very open and authentic on their social media channels. So I'm really excited to have this chat with you. I'm excited too. And I feel the same way. I love following people who I feel like I can get a really good grasp and feel of who they are outside of just their business and brand personality. That's right. Yeah, for sure. So Sarah, we're this is a big topic. Um, we're going to overthink about overwhelm today. Yes. And um, really my, my hope in having this chat with you is to talk about the real side of being overwhelmed mm-hmm. um, and then hopefully some tips and tricks for managing overwhelm in a world that seems to continue to throw shit at us. <laughs> yes. Love it. All about okay. that. Great. So let's talk about the like nitty gritty behind the scenes of, of what overwhelm looks like for you. Yeah. And I love that we're starting out with that question because I was actually thinking about this topic earlier when it comes to overwhelm. And I think that there can sort of be two different camps of overwhelm. So mm-hmm. I think that there's the type of overwhelm that sometimes we And when I say we, I'm sort of referring to, you know, myself, you, a lot of the clients that I work with, um, you know, some of them are moms, some of them aren't, but busy business owners or creatives who have their hands in a lot of different things. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes what happens is the overwhelm can be something that we do to ourselves because we take on too much. We say yes to too many things. And sometimes it's out of a good place. Like we're really passionate about what we do. We're really excited about something. We want to connect with lots of different people. We want to get our hands in all these different things, but we sometimes take on too much. So there's sort of like the self-inflicted overwhelm. And then I have no idea what you're talking about, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure most of, most of your listeners have no idea. They've never done that before. And then I think that the other side of it can be the overwhelm that is a little bit more out of our control. And so I think, for example, you know, even in my own situation, it could be things that are coming up 
with my children that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's something they're dealing with, but as a mom, I'm taking it on and that's, you know, making me feel overwhelmed or whether it's people who, you know, have a sick family member or they're caring for somebody or there's something happening in the workplace. It's a little bit more outside of your control. So I think there's sort of those two different areas and overwhelm for me shows up a little bit in both of those areas, probably 50, 50, to be honest. I Mm -hmm. definitely am somebody who, when I get excited about something, I pour myself into it. I want to do all the things. I want to learn as much as I can. If I have an idea, I want to execute it like yesterday. (laughs) So I tend to take on a lot. And I mean, I've found a little bit more of a balance over the past couple of years, but it's still something I bump up against. And then there's the other side of the overwhelm where, you know, being a mom and I have two little boys who are their own little people who are navigating their own challenges and and that can feel overwhelming in certain aspects as well. And I have these conversations with a lot of moms, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of parents, but a lot of moms in particular and I don't have kids and I always mm-hmm. say this it's a joke to me that like I don't even know how to manage like my dog most days, you know, like getting him his food and making sure he gets a walk or whatever. Yes. Like having two kids in the crazy world of my overthinking brain. Like, I'm just like, I can't even imagine. Yes. <laughs> it's so, a lot, kudos. especially different, you know, personalities and dynamics and they're their own yeah. little people. They are. And I'm so glad that you put overwhelm into kind of those two categories because I wasn't thinking of it that way. But it's funny because I I was sharing with you just before we recorded, I have taken on a contract with the local United Way here in in Truro. And um, it was like supposed to be a reprieve for me. Like it was supposed to be, you know, I've been working contract work for myself. And so this year was like, okay, I can focus on one organization. I can, you know, take it easy. I even told like the board and I told the person I was replacing for her mat leave. I was like, I'm not going to change anything. Like, I'm just going to come in and do status quo, whatever. Famous last words. (laughs) Oh my God. And take away like all the, you know, hurricanes and all the stuff that's happening in the world that we don't have control over. I still managed to change a whole shit ton and I'm sitting at home on a Friday night with lots of work to do. And I'm like, why does this keep happening to me at all of these places that I work or all of these organizations I work with? And it's like, because of you, (laughs) I did it to myself. (laughs) There's no, literally nobody else to blame in this situation. Yes. It's like Taylor Swift's new song, The Problem, It's Me. Like, hey, it's me. And I have to admit, and I might lose some listeners here, I am not a Taylor Swift fan, but that song in particular, I will give her credit for that song because it's so on point. It is. It's very catchy. It really is. So can you relate to that too, where I know you said you have, it's about a 50, 50 split for you, Mm -hmm. like with that, like where you actually recognize though, that it's you, do you know what I mean? Or do you kind of get caught up in thinking it's the world kind of against you or, or, or trying to overwhelm you? Yeah, I think now I can recognize, or I know now I can recognize. And that really came from a lot of, you know, growing and cultivating my own self-awareness and, and sort of doing my own inner work. Yeah. But when I'm in those states of overwhelm and I'm sort of looking at, you know, what is causing me to feel this overwhelm? And I looked at the laundry list of things and I'm like, oh, these are all things that I assigned myself. 
these are projects that I chose to take on or, you know, <laughs> things I chose to overhaul or say yes to or do. Um, yeah. So yeah, it does take some self-awareness. It really does. And I find even if you have the self-awareness, um, I feel I like I, and I think you can relate to this, um, that I'm very self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of that, it's like I still have those moments of letting the overwhelm or letting the lack of control um, get the best of me. Absolutely. I think I think those are two separate things. You know, having the self-awareness is one thing, but I think it doesn't mean we're not going to still continue to bump up against it, especially when you're somebody yeah. who likes to pursue different things. And I mean, that's part of what really makes me excited to jump out of bed in the morning is to put my hands in different things and pursue different projects and create and connect. And so I think that's just sort of a natural part of the process. I think the important part is, you know, we may not be able to recognize it at the time when we're saying yes, but recognize when we're sort of getting to that overflow state and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel that, you know, like pressure in my chest or I'm starting to feel a little buzzy and now it's starting to feel a little bit more like anxiety versus excitement it may be time to start sort of like reassessing where we're at what can I sort of put on the back burner what can I maybe take and you know postpone to a later date and just sort of take that opportunity to continually check in when we're kind of bumping up against it and then reassess and then continue on yeah and that I mean that's obviously easier said than done, but I, I agree 100%. And sometimes it's literally just having these conversations that allows you to, to do that, right? Because until you put it out in the world or vocalize it or write it down or whatever, sometimes you just let it eat away at you without acknowledging it. And sometimes literally all it takes is telling someone, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed and I've got to do this. And then it kind of puts things into more clear perspective. Absolutely. And I think also knowing that that's just a natural part of the process and not beating ourselves up when we get to that place Mm -hmm. is really important too. And just knowing this is, you know, the human experience. This is part of just working and navigating through it all. And I know like, and people have said to me before, I remember my mom saying this to me before too, like if some of the things that I beat myself up about or, you know, procrastination being one of them, right? Like, or getting over, being overly sensitive when people say things to me or whatever that is, the things that I beat myself up about is saying to me like, but if you weren't that way, you wouldn't be you, right? Like, so there's a part of it that's, that's kind of like, you know, would I want to change who I am because I'm so passionate about these things and because I put all of myself into some of these projects, right? And, and the answer is no, I wouldn't want to change that about me. No, hundred percent. And I think sometimes those are actually opportunities to take a step back and be like, this is showing me something that I can care about. This is pointing me towards one of my values. If it's, you know, procrastination, maybe it's showing that you have a really high work ethic or quality, you know, standard quality, um, and that you really care about, you know, your work and what you're putting out in the world. And if it's, you know, you care about what somebody thinks about you, well, you care about connections and getting along with other people. And so I think there's an opportunity to even tune into those things. And, and again, they are, what makes you you at the end of the day? Totally agree. 
And when you talk about self-infliction, like, and I won't veer off on procrastination because I do have an episode on procrastination from last season with the new Kirk Ride. Yeah. And it's like, talk about self-inflicting overwhelm is that I thrive sometimes in in situations where I'm procrastinating. It's like, if I have to write something by November 13th, I'm like, writing it on November 12th you know like it's just Mm -hmm. I do it to my again it's a situation where I do it to myself and and but that's oftentimes when the most creativity comes from me and that's when I'm most in tune with what I have to do absolutely and I've heard a couple of different things about procrastination I recently heard something along the lines of sometimes we rely on that adrenaline to like that adrenaline of leaving it to the last minute to actually get it done. Like that's what we feel we need. And the other thing is that sometimes when we're procrastinating, it's because we have set the bar so incredibly high for ourselves that even the thought Mm. of starting to do it feels so overwhelming (laughs) that we're like, I will never be able to create something to that caliber, to that level that I've set the bar for myself. But if I leave it to the last minute, I don't have all this time to overthink about it. I can just, you know, pound it out, get it done. And then I don't have to worry about it having to be this big, shiny thing. So there's a couple different, I mean, I'm sure there's way more to procrastination than just those two things, but there's a lot behind it. There's a lot of reasons that we actually procrastinate sometimes it's just resistance to feelings or not wanting you know the feeling of boredom or whatever may come with having to get something done so yeah there's a lot a lot more than meets the eye (laughs) to procrastination agreed I could yeah we could dissect that for quite a while I think and sort of the mental games you play on yourself with procrastination but I want to go back to because you had talked about sort of the other side of overwhelm which is Uh, things outside of your control. So, Mm -hmm. which is a little different because it's one thing if you're, you know, beating yourself up because it's something that you've created yourself. It's a monster you've created in your own world. But if it's something outside of your control, that's a little bit harder to, in my opinion, it's a bit harder to manage. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, it could look like a lot of different things. Again, motherhood is such a big part of my life that that's where a lot of overwhelm does tend to come up and I will say being in therapy has been immensely helpful and having you know a third party removed person to be able to talk through things have an outside perspective be a non-judgmental ear has been incredibly helpful and one Mm -hmm. of the things that she's really helped put into perspective is you know, asking for help, but also knowing that you are not the solely responsible person in a lot of cases. So with motherhood, for example, I often carry, like I put all the weight in my backpack and I'm like, I I am carrying all of this. And she reminded me that it's not just up to me. I'm not the only one responsible for raising these children. You know, I have husband who's my partner in this we have extended family members who play a part in this the school plays a part in this even like their extracurricular activities and their coaches play a part in this so I don't have to be like the be-all and end-all in their lives I play a very important role of course because I'm their mom but I don't have to be responsible for all of it and so even recognizing that allows me to take some of that overwhelm off my plate 
And yeah. I'll even just share a little story. So last year, our eldest son was diagnosed with ADHD, which was okay. a huge relief to all of us because it gave us a lot of guidance and provided us with a lot of tools and support that we wouldn't have had access to had he not had the official diagnosis. Right. Yeah. And what really came along with that was again, me feeling originally like I was now the one who was solely responsible for, you know, putting these accommodations in place and support and helping him. But what I realized is that no, the school actually has a large responsibility in this at, you know, his sports and everything. We can, you know, bring this up and have support in those areas. And, you know, his medical team and pediatrician plays a role in this. So again, it's recognizing that in a lot of different situations, whether it's motherhood, whether it's, you know, your work, whatever it is, there's oftentimes a team around us that we don't often lean on as much as we could. Totally. And that whole concept of asking for help to like, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to show weakness or not wanting to show that I, I can't do all of the things by myself, which is just ridiculous because nobody can, mm-hmm. but not wanting to show that side, I think goes into that a little bit, right? Is that feel that fear of being judged by other people if if you're not if you're not living up to the unrealistic expectations that you've set for yourself. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of it comes down to recognizing that when we don't ask for help, it actually doesn't allow us to show up in the ways that we really want to show up. So when we're trying to do it all ourselves, we're not actually, you know, executing or showing up or producing the way that our probably high standard self, perfectionist selves, many of us would actually want to. So it's actually to our detriment. It is. It's so hard to see that a lot of times in the moment, though. And it's so easy, Mm -hmm. I find, too, as I mean, this is not rocket science, but that it's so easy to see it in other people, too. Like, it's just like so obvious when you're like, just ask for help. Like, why? You know, if I'm talking to you, I'm just like, we're here. If you if you need help, you know, just reach out. But then when it's you that has to make that call, it's it's not as easy. And you I hate to say the word, but sometimes play the murder card and you think, oh, you know, like I, the world is on my shoulders and I have to do all this myself. And that's just, in most, most times it's not the case. You're so right. And I think, I mean, all of what you said, being able to see another people and feeling like we have to play the martyr. And I think a big part of it too, can be that it feels like it gives us a false sense of safety when we feel like we're doing all the things we feel like Mm. we have control over it. And if we're feeling, you know, chaotic and frenzied inside, sometimes we look for that safe, calm control outside of us in the things that we can actually control. And so sometimes we, we fear giving up that control or asking for help because we feel like if we do it all ourselves, then it makes us feel safe again in control. So again, I think there's a lot of layers to it that we don't talk Mm -hmm. enough about. Control is a big one. And I, you know, I jokingly, I'm going to put air quotes around that. I jokingly call myself a control freak, but you know, (laughs) there's a side to that that just is not funny because like, it is like almost like holding on to some kind of protective shell or something that um, really isn't serving me. Um, But it is that fear of, of letting go or fear of losing control. I, I, I don't even really know how to put into words 
where that comes from. I mean, therapy, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll back you up on that. Therapy helps with that too, to just sort of help work through letting that control, that need for control go. Absolutely. And again, I think there's a lot of places that can stem from and I don't know that I'm qualified <laughs> to get into that, yeah, of course, but fair. I know from my, <laughs> from my own experience, when I've been able to recognize that I'm, if say I'm searching for a control outside of myself, like all of a sudden mm-hmm. I feel like the garage must be organized. <laughs> like yeah. I have to redo the pantry immediately, or I'm feeling that sense of urgency around the control. When I yeah. take a moment to step back and say, what am I really needing right now? It's oftentimes because again, I'm feeling really out of mm-hmm. control in my inner world, whether I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, and I'm trying to gain that sense of stability by organizing my life outside of myself, when really it takes that really stepping back, tuning into what we need, pinpointing what that root sort of feeling is, and how mm-hmm. we can actually address it, you know, internally, maybe externally, but oftentimes not by reorganizing the garage. Right. And as you were saying that, so I was writing this down because I need to kind of wrap my brain around what I was thinking, because you know how people call themselves, some people call themselves like drama queens or like they're seeking drama in some way. I was just thinking like, sometimes I feel like I'm seeking that overwhelming, that feeling of overwhelm. So like, you know, the list is so long it has like 20 your to-do list has 20 items on it and it's like you know realistically you can't accomplish those 20 items on your Saturday morning or whatever you know you set for yourself so just having those even though I know it's unrealistic even though I know I can't get to them all it's like I can't not have all of those tabs opened so to speak um because it's like I feel like I'm not you know, adulting properly, if I'm not, you know, contributing or, or ticking off all those things, or if I don't have that many things on my to-do list, I feel like I'm, I'm not quite meeting the mark. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that, again, I, in my own experience, I know that sometimes that comes from looking for that external validation when really I need to validate myself internally. And I know myself that sometimes the to-do list, just like procrastination, gives me that boost of adrenaline that I feel like I need to actually be able to execute. Right. Yeah. If I don't have 15 items, well, I'm just going to, you know, exactly sit and watch Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's okay too sometimes. (laughs) Trust me. But it happens. (laughs) There's a time and a place for Netflix always. That's right. Yes, exactly. So what does, what does managing overwhelm look like for you day to day? So like, you know, if you feel this kind of anxiety or overwhelm, whatever we want to call it creeping up, how does that, what does it look like for you to try to manage that day to day? Yeah, I love that question. And that's something that I've really had to work on again over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Last year, I hit burnout hard and I had to completely Mm -hmm. take a step back from my business. I could barely function in my day-to-day life. I was waking up with panic attacks that were lasting hours until my nervous system finally, you know, was able to regulate itself. And so I really couldn't 
take on any of the things. And that taught me a very valuable lesson, A, not to get to that place again. And there was a few factors that led to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also really gave me the opportunity to take everything off of my plate because I had to, and then see what I could slowly add back in. So the first layer was basically the non-negotiables. You know, I can't just not be a mom. I can't just not, yes. you know, <laughs> bathe and shower and take care of myself. And then, okay, what's the next Although layer? some days, Sarah, I'm not going to lie. That goes first. <laughs> 100%. And again, time and place for that. But again, it's almost like working in layers of the, looking at the non-negotiables, the things that I absolutely cannot take off my plate that I have to do, yeah. putting those there first and then looking at the next layer. Okay. What are the next layer of things that I can either do or not do? And then really sort of weeding things out. And I think that also as, you know, creatives, people who do have a lot of different interests who maybe do say yes to a lot of things. I think it's also coming to terms with sometimes we're going to take things on and we, for whatever reason said, yes, we were excited in the moment. Maybe we even thought it was something that it didn't end up being and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to say no or back out of these things in a way that supports us and doesn't sort of, you know, break the relationship or what have you. And oftentimes for me, when I've had to do that, it just looks like being honest and saying, you know, when I said yes to this, I didn't realize how much I'd have on my plate. I'm not able to show up and do this in the way that I'd really want to. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to step back or I'm going to have to say no at this time. Or even when somebody asks us to do something, simply saying, you know, I love this. It sounds like a great opportunity. Let me check my schedule first and get back to you. Let me check what I have on my plate. Or I'd love to take this on, but I can't at this time. I have too much on my plate. And knowing that that is okay and normal too. I think that's a huge part of the overwhelm. Taking it, not responding in the moment when somebody mm-hmm. asks you to take something on is so key. You know, the people pleaser in, in me and I'm in a lot of women in particular is to say, you know, knee jerk reaction is to say, yes, because if, especially if it aligns with something that you would be interested in or passionate about or whatever. Um, but just even taking that beat to say, because I would rather say no off the bat than quit, right? Like I kind of have to put that into perspective because it's a shitty feeling when you have, I mean, yes, there are ways to do it where you can, you can still obviously maintain the relationship and be honest and all of those things, but it feels a hell of a lot worse to say, PS, I said yes, but now I'm changing my mind than it does to just take some time and say no in the first place. Absolutely. And I think that's just it. Allowing yourself and just making that your default response. And it takes practice. I find when you first kind of start doing it, it's like a muscle. You got to get used to it. You got to build those circuits in your brain for your default reaction to be like, let me check or I'm going to check my, you know, schedule and get back to you. But I think, I mean, on the same vein as that, and even going back to how I deal with overwhelm, I think learning to tune into what your body is telling you is key. And just knowing what your unique signs are for when you're feeling like you've taken on too much. So, you know, whether it is that sick feeling in your stomach, that pressure in your chest, that buzziness, that's one of my signs that I feel sort of like buzzy. And I'm like, oh, this is not so much excitement anymore. This is leaning a little bit more into (laughs) 
anxiety feeling. Yeah. Um, and knowing what that means for you and saying, okay, it's time to take a step back, take a look at everything that I have on the go, sort of evaluate what's a non-negotiable, what is maybe something I can put off, put to the wayside and see what you can totally. do about it. Again, it's that self-awareness, right? It's really like we know ourselves better than anybody else. Like the little, you know, twinge in your neck or when your eye starts twitching. I don't know if you're like me, but when my eye starts twitching, I'm like, okay, this is this is the time where I need to sleep probably, number yes. one. Make sure I'm drinking all the water that I'm supposed to be drinking. Like there's those physical manifestations of that overwhelm that are always triggers for me. Or not triggers, I shouldn't say, but are always signs that I need to re- relook at things. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's a really important part. And that's part of that self-awareness is knowing what your sort of unique signs are. I know that if yeah. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and my mind starts racing and it's like you don't need to be thinking about this right now I know that's a sign that I've maybe have too much on my plate maybe I'm not getting enough sleep maybe I'm you know relying too much on unhealthy coping mechanisms whatever that may be it's time to sort of take a step back and reevaluate and you talked about you know last year having to step back from your business for those who are listening can you give a sort of a, a reader's digest version of um of your business and what that looks like yeah absolutely so i call myself a heart based business mentor and what that means I like that. Yeah, thank you. And that means that I help business owners build a business that not only looks good on the outside, but feels good on the inside. And I do that in three main pillars. So the first is through intentional business planning. So getting really clear on what you're selling and how you're selling it. And mm-hmm. is it something that you know can give you that freedom and flexibility that a lot of business owners are looking for? How to price yeah. your products and services. The next one is feel-good marketing. So again, sharing what you do and attracting dream clients or customers in a way that lights you up, that feels fun and exciting instead of feeling forced. And then the third pillar is really that cultivating self-awareness. So learning how to tune into yourself and a lot of what we've been talking about on this podcast, recognize when that overwhelms creeping in, noticing when you've maybe said yes to something that doesn't feel in alignment with your core values. And so, yeah, that's what I do for, you know, my main gig. And you mentioned yeah. my design work. Yes. So for years, I actually had a jewelry business and it was okay. something that got to a point where it was feeling way too overwhelming. <laughs> Yes. It was way too much to keep up on. So now I do it in more of like a pop-up fashion. So when I feel the inspiration, when I feel like I have the capacity, I'll have a pop-up here and there online mostly. And so I do it when I feel, you know, inspired and, and like I can, not something that I have to keep up with all the time. Oh, that's good. And then it doesn't feel like a chore, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I have to post on this page and I have to, you know, making sure that you're doing all of the, well, obviously all the things that you promote in your other business. hundred <laughs> percent. And again, it's a lot of this comes from getting to that place where like, oh, this doesn't feel good. How yeah. can I pull back and how can I shift things to make it something that, you know, works with me. So I'm flowing with the stream or the current instead of against it. Right. And so, sorry, you said pricing is part of, part of your work too. So like you would, you would advise business owners on sort of making sure that they're priced where they should be in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And a large part of that is actually showing people how to price according to 
you know, in alignment with the schedule they want to create, how much, you know, income they want to generate. It's sort of a very, you know, well-rounded. There's a couple different facets to the pricing. So let's say, for example, you're a service provider who's offering one-to-one services. How can we maybe shift that and turn it into packages or an online course Mm -hmm. component or, you know, a recurring revenue stream? And how can we price that so that you have, you know, the space to do the work that you love, but maybe you're being compensated in a different way than just trading that time for money. Gotcha. Oh, that's great, man. I need that. Yeah, I think we all do. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I always say this and even taking on this role with the United Way, I'm always upfront about my lack of interest and ability when it comes to finances. Like it's like the last thing I want to do is start crunching numbers and figuring out what to what to charge or how much to ask for or whatever. It's, it's the bane of entrepreneurship for me. (laughs) I think it is for a lot of people. I think it makes a lot of people's eyes glaze over and I can totally relate. Finance is definitely not my most exciting (laughs) thing, most most exciting part of my business. Um, But when it comes to that aspect, when I can tie it into having more flexibility in my schedule, creating offerings that really light me up that I'm excited to pour myself into because I know I don't have to do it all day, every day, for example, then I can sort of wrap my head around that pricing and finance aspect a little bit more. Right. You know, and I always look at when I have these conversations with folks and I've been very lucky, I've had opportunities I've had the ability to step back when I needed to. So for example, you know, switching into this role, um, this contract position last year, I have the support of my husband to take a pay cut, you know, to be able to make it work for this period of time. And very grateful to have that support and recognizing that, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. Is there you know, kind of tips or or advice that you might give to somebody who who isn't able to do what you and I have been able to do in the past, which is to to take the break when we need it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I mean there's a couple different things, and I think it depends on your unique sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one thing that I brought up at the Swell conference that we had attended is yes. sometimes having something on the side that may not be, you know, the be all end all of what you want to do. It may not be this big fancy thing, but it at least pays the bills or allows you to sort of have that steady income while you're sort of building on the side. Or if you need to sort of take a step back from your business, maybe you have this other part-time job or this contract work or what have you. I think that especially in the entrepreneurial space, we actually don't talk about the support of our partners enough and how fortunate we are to sometimes have people who maybe have a steady income to fill in the gaps when ours is a little bit more roller coastery. (laughs) What do I feel like doing this year? Like just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Exactly. (laughs) And I shouldn't exaggerate, but I sometimes I legit feel like that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. And I think as creatives, that's a part of the process. And then I think sort of 
going back to what I was saying about the pricing aspect and, and, you know, coming up with these offerings that are maybe provide you a little bit more freedom and flexibility is having some sort of revenue source that isn't directly tied to you and your time and having to show up. So even for example, when I took a step back, I still had online offerings and courses that I could, you know, promote or plug here and there that people had access to and could purchase without me having to be live and available and showing up for them. Oh yeah, that is definitely key. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think having, you know, a support group of people that you can sort of brainstorm through what that looks like might be, would be nice too. Like I find with my community here, it's recognizing that, okay, I need to really jig things. I'm overwhelmed. I need to take a step back. But sometimes the overwhelm makes me forget what I'm good at. So having a support system of people to say, if I, and I'm just throwing this out there, if I were to teach a course, what do you guys think I would be able to bring to people or what benefit could I bring to people and putting it on other folks to kind of help you with that? Because sometimes the overwhelm makes you freeze and then you kind of forget what you're even starting with, which is your basic skills and abilities. 100%. And one of my friends and colleagues shared this quote with me, and it was, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame, meaning that sometimes when you're the one who's like in the situation, and I mean, even as a business mentor, (laughs) I experience this in my own business, because when you are the one who's in it, when you're in the thick of it, it's sometimes really hard to see past what's right in front of you. And that is one of the reasons why I absolutely love leading group programs and Mm. I offer, you know, different group programs throughout the year, but bring together like-minded business owners who can bounce ideas off each other, who can, you know, see each other's strength, help to champion each other, you know, help cast that big vision and cheer each other on. That is like priceless to me. And especially in entrepreneurship where oftentimes we feel very isolated, we feel very alone. We're sort of in our own little bubble a lot of the time. Having people around you who not only get it and understand the challenges, but can sort of see outside of ourselves, like you were saying, and give those ideas or see your strengths. Yeah. It's invaluable. Totally. I love those group programs too. And through the Northern business, oh gosh, Northern opportunities businesses or something like that anyway. So I'm butchering it, but the local (laughs) organization here, I've done a lot of courses. They're they're called Noble and I've done a lot of courses there and I'm not discrediting the value of the instructor or the facilitator and the actual curriculum, but oftentimes the huge benefit is exactly what you're saying is like being in the room with other like-minded people who you can just be like, Oh, you know, I'm not the only one who worries about that. Or, you know, um, you can help that person and then they can turn around and help you next week or whatever that looks like. It's very, very beneficial. I agree. Absolutely. And I've seen that in my own curriculum as well. You know, I may have banged out an incredible program with amazing, you know, curriculum and resources, but a lot of the time the value comes (laughs) from the group. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. And I like how I'm just going to go back to, you had said, um, layering. I really Mm. like your visual of a very visual person. So when I, when I heard you say to kind of manage the overwhelm, you look at it as, as layers and it's another way really of, you know, taking it a step at a time or whatever. But in my mind, when you said that word layer, it just really made it clear to me that it's 
more manageable when you break it down. Absolutely. And even you sort of reflecting that back to me makes me think of a couple different things. So whether it's, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that has, you know, the base is the yeah. foundation and you're sort of layering the different layers, levels on top of that, or mm-hmm. this visual that I'm sure a lot of us have seen floating around the internet of like the jar of like golf balls or rocks and oh, fans yes. and, you know, putting the big things in first and that's filling up most of the space. And then what do you sort of have room for in and around that? I think it's, yeah, just being able to kind of take that step back and I'm a very visual person too. So even writing it down and saying, okay, what are the things that I, again, they're non-negotiable. I have to show up for these. I have to be there for these. What am I doing that I really want to do? Like what's next? And then what do I want to do, but maybe just not right now? And can I put that off or shelf it for the time being? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Writing things down. Like I, you know, as much as I rely on my phone for reminders and for, you know, a lot of things, Mm -hmm. like too many things, writing it down and being able to scratch it off or tick it off of a list is, is so great to be able to just kind of wrap my brain around it even more. Yeah. I feel the same way. And so I was going to ask you what your favorite quote is, but you've already shared one that I absolutely love. Uh, So I want to go back to it. When you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. Like Mm -hmm. I have never heard that quote and I absolutely love it. I do too. I have no idea what the source is. (laughs) Yeah. All I know is my friend shared it with me. Or we could just say it was you, you know? (laughs) Yes. I definitely can't take credit for it because I have credited her many times with being like, oh, that is so good. It just puts it so, so well into perspective. And I do have another quote that I would love to share if you don't mind. And I have it on my wall here because I like to be reminded of it. And it says, how liberating it is to pursue wholeness instead of perfection. Oh, yes. And that's a Morgan Harper Nichols quote. And it really, again, is easier said than done. I think it takes a lot of self-awareness, self-reflection, sort of bumping up against those edges to really get a grasp of what that feels like. But giving yourself permission, the freedom that comes with, you know, feeling good and feeling grounded in who we are versus just chasing that external validation, acceptance, whatever it is. And yes, whatever that is, because perfection is not what you think it is or Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. And I think what that quote makes me think of is that perfection does not equal wholeness. Because I think too, like we, we might in our brains think that, that they're the same thing. Absolutely. And I think, again, a lot of us struggle with perfectionism. And it's something that I've been on my own journey with and even showing up in the online space. And when I really step back and try to dig into that and saying, why does perfection matter so much to me? And again, it sort of comes back to being a safety mechanism. I feel like if I'm showing up perfectly, then people will accept me and people will love me. And that makes me feel, you know, accepted and safe versus maybe if I'm not showing up, I feel like I might be rejected in a sense. And that feels really dangerous or scary to me. So I think even allowing ourselves to sort of 
go deeper into that. And it's sort of like what we were saying with the procrastination. We can wear it as sort of this shame or be hard on ourselves about it. But when we actually take a step back and be like, why is this important to me? We see that it actually comes from that really, that really, um, that place of just wanting safety and love and acceptance. And I think that's what as humans, we all want at the end of the day. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yes. Sarah, this has been a really great conversation. I really, we're very similar in a lot of ways I'm learning as we're chatting just with the quotes on the walls and and just sort of perspectives on, on different things. And so I've really appreciated this chat. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, me too. I knew when I saw your podcast and when I met you at Swell, I was like, <laughs> we need to connect. We're very much on the yes. same wavelength. So thank you so much again. I really, really appreciate you for having me on. Thanks again to my guest, Sarah Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at sarahkelly.ca.